Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh my God. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. What's up? Happy Wednesday. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. And uh, it's ex- an exciting day. Yes, yes, yes. It is an exciting day. Why is it an exciting day? Because I'm seeing my mom tonight for the first time in a year and a half since before COVID. Oh, cue the, the right? super sad slow motion music I that mean, Ellen would play. I think someone reunited. should capture this moment. I mean, only if you were like 12 or something or five and reuniting with your, your mom would it be like a viral thing. But yeah, no so cares. maybe, listen, maybe it won't go viral, but no one cares about I was debating. What? No, older you people know, are allowed to have emotion no, when it is true, meeting but each other. You know, those moments, those viral moments only happen when people really care about like kids and cute little things like that. I mean, I was thinking this, of course, I was thinking in my head when, when, as I was coming here today mm-hmm. if I should. Um, capture or document it and put it in my TikTok or reel. You, you're considering using this moment as content? <laughs> what know, sick freak I, are you? It's not. I think that a lot of people either have been in that experience because of COVID or not. And I think that it's nice to see people coming together and also reminding people to appreciate like, their family. What if your mom is just like, get that out of my face? You know she's not going to be that way. She's not going to cry on camera. She is a t- I mean, I, I actually was feeling like I might cry, like in a weird, I was like, am I going to get emotional? And so you're going to put it on camera. <laughs> you know what? That's the interesting thing about people crying on camera that I always think about. Like you had to literally, you were crying and then you had to literally then stop it and then edit it, which means are you still crying while you're editing no, it? No, you would, and then you you would like, do it you like You have to post later. it. There's so many steps that you have to take while you were still crying to capture that moment. It's so weird. No, you would just capture it or have someone else there with you. And then once again, if it's not an intense dramatic moment that's worthwhile, whatever. But if it Chris? is, yes. Wow. I love how that music Chris. came up. 
yeah, first my boyfriend. time meeting Chris. That's the bigger thing. That's the that's the emotional thing. Cause what if she hates him? No. She's not gonna Are you him. nervous though? What if she hates him? She's not that type, but she's the type to ask like weird questions sometimes. Or like and, and be very skeptical, right? I mean like mm-hmm. Yeah, so what if she hates him? I'm not thinking about that because it's not going to happen. You have to think about that because what if she does? What I, are you there's no do? point in getting worried about something I can't control. Wow. I Stay already tuned. have anxiety. Stay tuned for sure. mom yeah. hating her partner. Part two tomorrow <laughs> at the top of the show. Stick around for the recap of how the night went. What's happening on the show today? Coming up, why do so many employers require college degrees when most of America doesn't have one? Are we ready to get over that? That's at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, we're talking about more Britney Spears in a moment with Ryan and the Tea Report. Yeah, there's some new news that came out. Exactly. Let's get into some what's trending this hour. Representative Liz Cheney, despite breaking with her party in response to the January 6th insurrection, she actually still believes Republicans deserve to be in the majority after 2022. She also responded to minority leader Mitch McCarthy, who is still against their independent investigation into the January 6th attacks. There were 35 Republicans who supported an independent bipartisan commission, which, as I've said, would have been the the far preferable way to go. Minority Leader McCarthy opposed that actively and aggressively, and he lobbied against it in the Senate, and the Senate blocked it. Uh, We must have this select committee investigation. This is our only option left, uh, and people must be willing to put their oath to the Constitution above partisan politics and above party. Uh, And uh, I am absolutely committed to doing that, and I'm committed to ensuring that this investigation be one that gets to the truth of what happened here on January 6th. Thanks, everybody. I love that passion, but the problem is the longer we take to do this, the more it feels like it's not urgent or needed anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah, It just feels like you you lose that interest, even though I, I obviously should be done. So... Well, uh, stick around for more What's Trending this hour and the next hour, including some Harvey Weinstein news. Uh, but what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Actually, we kind of don't have time <laughs> for me to do it because I do have a clip and I think it's super important because, honey, we're finding out more information. The divorce attorney that divorced uh, Britney Spears and Jason Alexander, her first marriage, that was only 55 hours. Well, oh, yeah. uh, he's speaking out about who was involved in, in the culprit of making them divorce. That's coming up next hour, so stick around for that because we're also going to be hearing from Jason Alexander himself. Okay. Because he is speaking out about the moment and how terrifying it was. So, girl, the clip is damning. Let's talk about it next hour. Perfect. Well, Pelosi surprised everyone when she vetoed two Republicans from the January 6th committee. Why it matters next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Speaker Nancy Pelosi vetoed two of House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's choices for the select panel investigating the January 6th Capitol attack, Representative Jim Banks and Representative Jim Jordan. Here to share more on why this matters is Hunter Walker, reporter at The Uprising. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So why did she veto these two exactly? So, you know... Speaker Pelosi has already put uh, Liz Cheney, or a Republican, among her picks uh, for this committee. She also allowed some of McCarthy's other Republican members. Uh, both Congressman Banks and Congressman Jordan did vote against the certification of the election, uh, and they also had signed on to one of these lawsuits attempting to throw out ballots. So when she was asked why she did this, Pelosi simply said two words, January 6th. 
but she did allow another Republican who voted against the election to be on the committee. So she really does seem to have targeted these two. Um, one thing that I think a lot of Democrats I know are talking about is the fact that Jim Jordan was just known as an especially partisan warrior and a Trump ally, in particular, uh, you know, through his conduct on the impeachment when he was one of Trump's top defenders. So, you know, he seems to have been targeted as someone that the Democrats didn't see as having a serious and sincere interest in this committee. Uh, but they were not expecting that necessarily from Pelosi. I mean, one Democratic source I, I spoke to described it as a surprise, quote, power move. Uh, and, you know, she's usually a little more docile than that. Is it really a power move when it's known that Jim Jordan um, is kind of like the wild card here where he could really disrupt the process of trying to get to the bottom of this? Well, I think that's, you know, a good thing from her perspective is that she would stop him from right. doing that. Yeah, no, it is. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, that's, uh, people are surprised she did that uh, because, again, the Democrats, you know, have not always taken the most aggressive tack. I think, you know, within the caucus, there's some thinking that Pelosi, you know, wouldn't normally do something like this, but she came out and really, you know, grabbed this committee by the horns a bit. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, McCarthy pulling his support uh, you know, he'd already opposed a bipartisan commission to investigate January 6th. Uh, he's fought this tooth and nail, so it's not that surprising. Um, one Democrat I spoke to called it, you know, taking his ball and going home. Uh, but he's really already been on this road. And so what happens now? At what point are they going to be solidifying this and moving on? Because I feel like it feels like it's just been happening for a long time and people might move on to other priorities. I mean, you know, Pelosi has the votes to do this, so I, I, I'm loath to put, you know, uh, a timeline on anything in Congress. But I think we will see this committee, and what it's clear, um, you know, already, given, given the fights we've seen, is that Republicans will cast it, again, despite Pelosi's efforts to, to include Republicans, uh, as a partisan effort that is not serious. Uh, but, you know, it is going forward. I, I still think that, you know, even if we're seeing action in Congress, you know, it is striking generally how little we're talking about January 6th mm -hmm. in the public sphere and, and in Washington as well. Um, for those just kind of tuning in, give us a recap on what this committee is supposed to be doing. So the committee is really looking at, um, you know, root causes of January 6th, um, security failures, um, you know, there's a lot to investigate there. I mean, I was just writing this morning on the uprising, that's the uprising.info, uh, about um, a case that emerged in unsealed court documents yesterday where um, a DEA special agent was at um, the January 6th riot yeah, with his that. gun and badge. Yeah, and that's, that's just the latest evidence, which Republican members of Congress have uh, repeatedly tried to deny that, you know, these people were armed. Uh, there's also a lot of evidence that there were other uh, people with ties to the military and law enforcement there. Uh, the George Washington University program on extremism has found that, you know, 10 percent about of the 545 federal cases so far involve um, people who were ex-military. So I think, you know, there's a lot to investigate here in terms of extremism, extremism in law enforcement and military organizations, uh, security failures, um, people who kind of encourage this attack through their rhetoric, uh, people who are directly involved in planning. Mm. We see groups like the Oath Keepers that's had, I think, like 
14, at least 14 members, um, you know, get involved with federal cases. So, you know, there's a ton to look at. And again, that's where the question of Speaker Pelosi's aggressiveness comes in. Um, you know, for example, with the federal investigation right now, we're clearly seeing, you know, these 500-ish um, cases involving people who were there, but we're not seeing them necessarily go after, you know, groups, high-profile activists, such as the Stop the Steal folks. So I think generally, when it comes to law enforcement and Congress, there's a question for about how uh, big those investigations will be, how aggressive they'll be, and how far up the chain they go. And have we seen any security measures implemented in the meantime since the attacks, even though I know they're waiting on this part of it? Has anything changed on site at all or any strategies? Well, so, you know, there was a lot of fencing um, around the complex and around much of Washington um, that stayed up actually, I think, until about a a week or so ago. Um, I'm not aware of anything on the public level, um, but, you know, I can tell you one thing that I think has been neglected in this discussion. um, A couple different members, uh, notably Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and also Congressman Al Green of Texas, had raised concerns about member security, Hmm. um, you know, in the past year or so, uh, as we've seen so much, you know, increasingly violent and threatening rhetoric in the public sphere. Uh, And really, you know, other than Speaker Pelosi and other key figures in Washington, the majority of members of Congress have no security detail whatsoever outside of the Capitol. Uh, So that's something people already wanted to look at. Um, I'm sure I would hope that members measures have been taken that I'm not aware of because it just was such a huge breach, but I'm not aware of anything major so far. Well, it was great having you on. That was Hunter Walker reporter at the uprising. Hope to have you back. Thanks so much for having me. guys. Thank you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan channel Q. Imagine reserving an Airbnb, paying for it, and then getting into the policy and seeing that they won't take you because you're vaccinated. Not because you're unvaccinated. You're vaccinated. You did everything right, but you can't actually use your Airbnb. Where did you book this Airbnb off like QAnon.com? <laughs> no. So this is what happened to this one woman, and it's been reported everywhere. We found this article on Vice.com. She tweeted the screenshots of the Airbnb house rules which as of May 1st, 2021, the host would no longer be allowing guests with any of what they called COVID-19 experimental vaccines. Yeah, it specifically says, uh, new science has discovered that vaccinated persons I'm going to the actual tweet. Sorry, got cut off um, because I just find this fascinating. New science has discovered that vaccinated persons through multiple mechanisms of transmission can pass the SARS-CoV-2 virus spike protein onto healthy unvaccinated individuals. Thank you for your understanding. So basically, one, you could pass it if you have it to anyone. But specifically, a lot of these folks believe in this vaccine shedding. Like, a lot of people are trying not to hang around vaccinated people if they're anti-vax because they think that a spike or like some part of the vaccine can jump onto you. Yeah. And, or Wait. vaccine shedding. Wait. That's what they think, and that's the yeah. reason why. So they don't want they don't want the vaccine to hop around on their bed them. sheets. Yeah, on the walls. Yep. What is it like? I don't know. Worms or something. 
It sounds weird. <laughs> it is, and it's a myth, according to this article. It's a non-existent of threat. Of course it is. I'm just saying. What do you mean? Why are you clarifying that? They do that? say that vaccines only have a chance of shedding when they contain live attenuated virus. Nothing is shedding. Which none of the COVID-19 vaccines used in the United States do. So actually there is, but they're using an actual concept that does happen, but with vaccines that aren't COVID-19. So what if that person just lies and says they're not vaccinated? Well, It's not like you can prove it. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming... It's not like my skin's falling Well, off, they like never know. Like, what if then they check you there? They're like... What are they checking? How know. are they going to check if I'm vaccinated? <laughs> or if you're lying, you mean? How are they going to check that I'm lying? They're hooking me up Maybe to Maybe this a... person is moral and decided not to lie. So yeah, anyway... I would have lied. She... If I want to stay there, I'm going to stay there. <laughs> Why Especially would you, you want to stay there? You took some... my money already. Well, yeah. So she ended up going back to Airbnb, Airbnb, getting refunded. And they actually threw these folks off of Airbnb because you're not allowed... Yeah, you're not allowed to ask or mention, like, ask people about being vaccinated or mention COVID 19 in your Airbnb, like, post about your place or if you're, you know, renting it to anyone. So that's their policy. Anyway, would this stop you? Would you have lied? Would you have done what Ryan did or would do? You didn't lie, Ryan, yet, but Ryan said he would lie. Would you not? No, I would just get a refund and get another place. Yeah, but it takes so long to get a refund. I don't want to give folks like this money if it they believe so this. Long. Sometimes it takes so long to get a refund. You just want to go on a vacation. If they think this, imagine are they're probably letting in people that are unvaccinated, maybe who have COVID or the variant, but show no symptoms, maybe not cleaning properly. Wouldn't want to take the chance. So just saying. At LGT shows where you can find us well, on social true, media. Well, true. You don't want to stay there if like other people are like, oh, yeah, exactly. vaccinated there. But this... It, in general, uh, this just shows where we're at. This is getting messed up. We see people not dating folks who are vaccinated. We see, you know, the division. Yeah, it's getting like as normal. far as Airbnb. Why would you date someone who's not vaccinated? People do that. People won't sleep with people. Oh, yeah, I know yeah. someone. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yep. No, they won't sleep with someone who's vaccinated. Oh, well, they're stupid. You the need opposite. to figure yeah, out your crowd. Wrong. It's not. I'm just hearing this story. Anyway, these stories from everyone. Coming up, the Texas governor's plan to restrict transition-related medical care for trans children. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up, a reporter joins us in 15 minutes to share why it's almost impossible to argue with the right and I guess how to uh, argue better or just have better conversations. We got to stop arguing. Plus, we got some... Now, let's argue. Plus, we've got some new tea about (laughs) Britney Spears in a moment with Ryan. Uh, But first, a little what's trending this hour. Governor Greg Abbott said he was preparing to take action to restrict transition-related medical care for transgender minors in Texas after legislation to do that failed during the regular session. He said this in a radio interview, not providing really further details, but he said, I have another way of achieving the exact same thing. And it's about a finished product as we speak right now and maybe announced as soon as this week. How evil. Abbott's comments came as the interviewer asked him why he did not add the issue to his agenda for the special session that began earlier this month. Abbott blamed the lower chamber, saying the chances of that passing during the session in the House of Representatives was nil. So he's going to still continue to push through. We thought it was over, but it isn't. That was What's Trending This Hour, a little quickie. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, speaking of quickie, let's talk Britney Spears and Jason Alexander's wedding that got annulled like years ago because mm. um, they were only married for 55 hours. <laughs> you see what I mean by quickie? It's time for the team report. Those oh. pop culture stories trending right now. Well, news has come out that uh, Britney Spears' mother was the reason why they got uh, that marriage annulled. Um, apparently, according to the divorce attorney, Mark Goldberg, who's speaking out and he talked to the Daily Mail, he said that basically um, Lynn Spears and Britney's management team were like, oh, we're not having this. Uh, He said it was the mother interfering in and inserting herself into her daughter's life. She came to Las Vegas, threw Jason out, and got him a plane ticket home, Um, which is really interesting because, like, one, I don't know why this divorce attorney is probably talking just because, you know, free Britney and everything that's happening and and talking about the controllingness of her team and what's been happening and Mm -hmm. all parties involved. But here is Jason Alexander, who was just on a podcast recently where he actually talked about this experience from his side. Okay. I was called and then Jamie was on the phone and they're telling me everything horrible I'd ever done is going to be, you know, brought up and that all these bad things were going to happen and that my football career was going to be over. Then I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like swarmed by a Britney Corporation, like men in black showed up 
uh, within hours and had uh, Brittany and I separated. They were making promises to me, you know. They told me if I would sign the contracts, the annulment, that they would let me and Brittany continue our relationship. And if we felt the same way in six months, they would give us a proper marriage. I mean, mm. intense, right? Yeah, it the is. strategy of how it all goes down. And I just think it's really interesting that we've heard Britney's mom speak out and saying that she has really not been a part of all the kind of toxicity of this. But the divorce attorney, divorce attorney that was a part of this whole thing said that she was actually the one that was forcing Britney to end this whole thing. And maybe after hearing this story, she was the one that was telling Jason, if you don't get away from her we're gonna talk about everything bad and put it like that you've done out into the atmosphere and so i don't know all of these people sound awful to be quite honest imagine your life being controlled in that way like so many people are trying to protect you like because they feel like people could use you to the point where they're not actually letting you live your life yeah, it's crazy. And that's your T-Report for this hour. Next hour coming up, Chrissy Teigen's finally speaking out about, you know, how she thinks she's going to be canceled forever and how she's staying out of people's business. We got the clip to prove it. That's coming up next hour. Well, we're talking about arguing with the right, why it's almost impossible, and how to do it uh, better. No! That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Everyone keeps saying how divided the country is, right? But is the recent division worse than before? And why is it harder than ever to even have an argument? Well, joining us right now is Sophia McLennan, a professor of international affairs at Penn State. They call him at Salon. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, how did your relationship with your mom inform this piece you recently <laughs> wrote? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, the thing is the 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 story with my mom is obviously complicated, but she married this super conservative right wing guy late in life and started watching a lot of Fox News. Mm. And it turns out that Fox News was shaping how she understood me better than my own history of interacting with her. Mm. So when I was starting to be critical after 9-11 of the policies of George W. Bush and his administration, she'd say, Sophia, why do you hate your country so much? <laughs> and, you know, it, it was it's impossible to talk through those kinds of things because, you know, I don't really think my anyone should have a super strong emotional relationship with their country anyway. Ding, ding, ding. You're so right. Like the idea of like watching sometimes there's these viral videos that you'll see online where like people will stop in the middle of Walmart and sing the national anthem at just random times throughout the day. <laughs> it starts to ball- it starts to go into this cult like territory that just feels a little weird or like I'm about to watch the purge kick off. But I, I, I do wonder what did you end up kind of figuring out when it comes to kind of having these discussions or debates with people who are so extremely kind of engulfed in the right or conservative, like especially you as, a, I guess, a somewhat of a liberal person, I would assume? Right. I mean, I even think of myself as left of liberal. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but I would say I would say, you know, I, I tend to write a piece sometime around Thanksgiving where I'll, where I'll point out, like, these are conversations that don't always work around the the family table the way you'd like them to. And that's OK. You know, if you're somebody who considers themselves to be somewhat politically engaged, it's wise to choose the spaces in which you try to have conversations. And it's OK, I think, to decide, look, in my case, I said, I love my mom. I don't like her husband. And I'm just going to make the best of what's going on here. Enjoy the relationship I can with her. 
and not let, you know, not get into that stuff because, you know, as I point out in my piece, I could never get her off of her premise, which was wrong. So there's no, you know, as I like to tell my kids, right, you don't negotiate with terrorists. So there's just no point. Like you can't, you know, you can't even start. Yeah, you can't start the conversation. So, you know, but at a larger framework, you know, Mm -hmm. the framework in which I'm trying to have this uh, bigger conversation, I think we're, um, you know, I really felt that the, the, the conversation needed to start with this idea that the right is arguing with themselves. They distort the view we have. And then they say, and this is why we don't like your view. And then you say, no, 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 but that's not what I'm saying. And the next thing you know, you're spending your entire time arguing against the mistaken uh, perspective that they say you have. And it's exhausting. Um, And I think there really has to be some effort on the part of those of us who are progressive to get better at getting our version of the story out there. Yeah. And, I mean, you've brought up a lot of great points. And how do you even do that if, as you say, they're not even listening? You can't debate with someone who isn't even listening to your point. You can't talk to a brick wall. <laughs> and no. do you think, by the way, that they just think that of us and that's the incessant cycle as well? Yeah, which, you know, whatever your position is, you know, I, I mentioned a variety of things, whether we're talking about critical race theory, whether we're talking about LGBT uh, you know, issues, whether we're talking about uh, whether people should be getting vaccinated, all of the baseline concepts that we're debating aren't even our positions. So yeah. the, the thing that we need to start to do, and, and, and if we wanted to really dig under the hood into why we are so bad at this, part of it is that we have a tendency to want to allow the left to be multivocal, right? We want to allow for a range of views. We're reluctant to sort of push forward. This is our story. This is our thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a benefit to that. But then in the land of the soundbite and spin, it means that we get drowned out by these super loud, loony, you know, renditions of what we think. And so that's one of the things, right? Finding a way to get our narrative out there in a way that's open, intersectional, diverse, but, you know, positive, right? Not reactive. That's the thing I think we need to start thinking about. Well, I would even kind of uh, push back on even the positive angle. I think especially what we saw last year when the, the country was kind of going through this racial awakening. And, you know, sometimes to get the message across, especially if you are from a marginalized group or a minority like, you know, black folks living in this country, it, it, you're over the niceties. <laughs> you just want people to kind of oh, yeah. get it, right? And so, like, sometimes, depending on what you're talking about, it doesn't also necessarily have to be the nicest thing. It's just, you know, I'm not responsible for someone's feelings if I'm just talking about me existing as a black queer person in this country. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's it's so important, um, your article, that brings up, you know, kind of the nuances when it comes to having these conversations with the right, but then also, like, standing firm in just, being like, I'm not going to put myself through the trauma of trying to convince someone to just be a good person. (laughs) Well, you know, I think, though, also that what you're describing is another, you know, that would be a whole nother piece, which is the right endlessly whining about themselves as victims Mm. and, and, you know, the ways in which they're being silenced or, you know, this whole sort of Ben Shapiro, you know, Facebook's being mean to me, that stuff. 
um, they're really good at turning uh, an issue and a crisis into a way in which they're a victim. So you go back to Black Lives Matter, somehow white people feel bad, like you're being mean to white people by talking about black. So they're so good at this. Talk about flipping it into now. The story is again a critical race theory does this also, right? The critique suggests that a white student will feel bad. I'm, I can't wait a minute. The whole the whole equation has been flipped. And so again, that 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 point you make is really significant because we have to figure out how to undercut that that story they have that when we're not talking about them and reinforcing their views, we're somehow hurting them or being mean yeah. or making them feel bad about being whatever they are. You know? Yeah, so, you're so right. So that's so what happens is I can even hear it in the way you're describing it. You're like, I have a right to be mad. It's like, I agree with you that you have a right to be mad. But honestly, mad maybe isn't the word here, right? It's righteous. You have a legitimate position. Mm-hmm. And when you're not allowed to articulate it, because by articulating it, you're making this person feel bad. That's ridiculous. Well, it's yeah. gaslighting at its uh, finest. Wow. Well, Sophia McLennan, professor of international affairs at Penn State. Thank you so much for being here. Hopefully Thanks we, had, we can have you back on. Yes. Oh, for sure. We got lots to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and check out her column in Salon.com. Uh, but coming up, the majority of Americans lack a college degree, so why do so many employers require one? We look at that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So we know more and more people are Ditching college student loans, I think there's been this acceptance that the system is broken, the education system, but yet a lot of employers still require college degrees. And then on the other side of it, we're seeing a lot of people start their own company and make a lot of money without a college degree. So where do we land here? It's not even start their own company. It's just having their own career. Yeah, their own career. You don't need to have a college degree to be successful at this point. We all know this. This is in 1975. But companies (laughs) kind of, it seems like, are stuck there or their HR. Karen Klein joins us right now, who's a board member who writes editorials about education, environment, food, and science at Los Angeles Times. To talk more about this, thanks for being here. I'm very glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So what is it going to take for employers to change things up because the world is changing around them. Well, right now, I think there are enough college graduates that they're getting away with it. Mm. But that's going to change. Um, They're going to want people who will work for the kind of money that they want to pay and who have the kind of training that they need. And college students aren't necessarily, college grads aren't necessarily the best fits for that. And they're starting to find that out. Some of the high-tech companies are are starting to hire, like Apple, which was founded by a man who never finished college, um, is starting to hire people who are not college graduates. I see, I think as companies see other companies start hiring bright people who have work experience or have basic potential and talent, um, they're going to say, why am I trying so hard to get college graduates that who want more money, who consider this job beneath them, um, who are going to leave soon because they really want a, a bigger, more professional kind of job. Um, and they're going to say, gee, these other companies are doing that and they have less turnover and they have less cost. And so I'll go do it too. 
Yeah, I mean, this type of, like, you know, college degree discrimination has probably been used for so long, especially to keep, like, marginalized groups out of spaces. And I, I think, you know, as time has kind of progressed, um, do you think we'll get, I mean, we're getting to that point already, but do you think we'll really see that that change of being like, well, companies are just like, well, what's the point? Because especially after COVID, people people weren't going back onto campus. People were either dropping out because they couldn't afford college. That's really, that's going to have a long lasting impact. So what's going to be the big change here? I don't really know what the big change agent will be there. We have to realize why this came about in the first place. Yeah. And it's not the fault of employers that it came about in the first place. It's the fault of the school system. The school system has been graduating high school graduates for years now who did not have the kinds of skills that employers needed. Mm-hmm. They didn't have good reading skills. They didn't have good writing skills. They didn't have good cooking skills or good math skills. And to a very large extent, that's still true. So um, until employers are comfortable judging applicants by other issues than degrees or diplomas, they're going to be stuck in this because they're going. what they're doing is they're using the the college degree, and now increasingly the master's degree, as a proxy for someone who can write and think and do math. Um, And it probably is an indicator of someone who can do those things better than your average high school graduate. But there are college graduates who can't write. And there are high school graduates who write beautifully. But that's yeah. not, it's not just about writing. I think there's so many factors on why someone did, couldn't go to college after high school. Like, that doesn't mean they're not qualified well, to yeah, like, she's saying, learn experience. Well, yeah, I mean, like the, internships, right? I think for. But internships are a privilege because uh, you need to be able to work without getting paid for them. That's true. true. No, the unpaid internships are really starting to go away. That was a big problem for a long time, the unpaid internship. But it it came under so much fire that I'm seeing far fewer of those these days. Oh, wow. Credited. Most internships are paid now. Oh, great. Um, I have a, a question because in this editorial piece, you also talk about other systems around the world. Like, are they having the same issue? Well, they don't have the same issue because they work differently. What they do is they they honor work that is not necessarily college graduate work, and they realize what the skills are for that job that are truly needed, um, which have more to do very often with just basic brightness, basic basic awareness, the ability to think, the ability to organize, and they train those people in apprenticeships during high school. And so what they do is these are paid in, paid apprenticeships, but they have the partnership of the employers. And so uh, most college, most high school students will go to high school part-time for their academic work, and they will work at an apprenticeship part-time. And then after high school, they might need another year of training, but then they're ready to go to work. And we're not talking about, you know, just building fences. We're talking about um, hotel managers. Yeah. Sales managers, 
um, office managers. What, what I think is all really all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. What I also think is really interesting because you talked about kind of high school not preparing students for like real life things. Yeah. I also think college doesn't really prepare you for real life things as well because a lot of the experiences when you go straight from college to if you're even lucky enough to get a, you know your college degree and then go and find a job right after because oftentimes that's not the case. It, it, it you know a lot of times you don't even know really the experiences of whatever field you're working in until you're actually there getting the real life experience in the moment. And so how do you think colleges can better prepare, you know, students who are, you know, getting their degrees to to kind of make that happen and, and feel more prepared in life and to adjust to society? As we wrap up, you got about 10 seconds. You know, that really depends on how we want to think about college altogether. I don't want to turn college into just being job prep school. College is there to grow minds. It's there to create great citizens, people who think, leaders of the future, people who read and and ponder the issues and vote wisely. Um, and I think we've seen a lot of people not doing that. Um, and so, it, you know, I don't want to say college is just another job training center. It what, what employers look for is they do look for people who can think. They look for people who are smart. They learn. You think they you need college for, for that? Can learn. Do you think college is even necessary? Can I ask you that? As I think it depends. If college is, no, I'm asking so her. Many I'm asking to her. This. What, what do you think? Do you think college is necessary in 2021? Yes, I think college is necessary for a lot of things in 2021. I don't think it's necessary for all the things that employers are requiring. There you for. go. Cool. Karen you know, Klein. I, I've certainly oh. seen people who were yep. who were office managers for years, for decades, and then came to a new place and looked for an office manager job and couldn't get one because they didn't have a college degree. That's ridiculous. Decades of experience, sterling performance evaluations, but the rule was a college degree or you can't get the job. That's where I think we're going a little nuts here. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Would love to have you back to talk more about the subject. That was Karen Klein, who writes editorials for the LA Times. Have a great rest of your day. YouTube. Bye. Coming up, uh, should social media require you to use your IDs to get verified? The debate continues next. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Should social media companies force users to use their ID to get verified and so you can't be anonymous anymore and post just bad, horrible stuff, sexist, racist, all those things? We're seeing it more and more. And now even someone like actor Aegis Elba is calling the platforms out, saying there should be more stringent rules to combat racism online. So what are your thoughts, Ryan? Um, I think there I'm conflicted because I think as a third party platform, I don't want the social media platforms to have any more information that they're already stealing from me as data. Um, but then two, I think it, this could actually be a win win for all of those bots and all of those people out there who are saying awful things and just, you know, living behind an anonymous profile. Um, and they could be held accountable, especially when it comes to like th- bomb threats or just like threats against your life in general. So there's like a pros and cons list that um, is most definitely developing for me. Yeah, I think so. If you're going to be putting yourself out there, we should know who is speaking. We should know who you are, including if it's horrible stuff. You should be held accountable for that. That's true. And it's, you can more easily be held accountable for it if you're using your real name. And I, yeah. I wonder if people will be as bad as they are. I would probably be held accountable for all the shady tweets I've tweeted at Taylor Swift. Well, you could already be. They know you're verified, you, so people do yeah, know it's you, know, you. If I ever become best friends with Taylor Swift, I have to delete every bad thing I've ever said about her. So her fans don't go back and look and be like, ooh. Maybe that's why she'll like you. She's like, you're... you're I'm, I'm trying to hang around people that aren't like... I would admit just her. Love me. I would admit that I hated her at one point, but now I got to know you and I like you. Okay. Yeah, I would do that. I would tell anyone that. I don't care. I, I've, I've learned something about Ryan. Uh, Ryan, if you have the money, he's willing to, uh, wow. you know. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, <laughs> change sides. If you could change my life in any way. Also, if you're famous <laughs> and you're really nice to him, yeah. he'll probably change sides you too. You never know. I'm, I'll be like, oh, well, she's not that bad. <laughs> They're not that bad. <laughs> delete, 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 delete. OMG. Well, let us know what you think at LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. But coming up, cancel culture no more, the new term that has popped up. We're getting into it next on What's Turning This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show today, more behind the Olympics cardboard bed controversy. That's in 30 minutes. Plus, the new term for cancel culture is here. Ryan's got that in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some What's Trending This Hour. Harvey Weinstein is back in L.A. He made his first court appearance in Los Angeles uh, today, pleading not guilty to 11 counts of rape and sexual assault. He appeared in a wheelchair with his hands uh, shackled to the armrests. He spoke only once during the brief 
hearing after the judge wished him good luck. He said, thank you very much. He was extradited from New York on Tuesday. It's be, uh, he's being held at the Twin Towers Correctional Facility in downtown L.A. And they asked his attorney for a medical evaluation during the hearing. He also sa- said he would like to file something challenging three of the 11 counts on statute of limitation grounds. Well, they're really trying it here. And prosecutors have said they are ready to proceed to trial within 120 days. So, yeah, this continues. It's like never ending. Maria Taylor and ESPN are divorcing. She's heading to NBC and will cover the Olympics. So you might remember um, Taylor, who leaves ESPN just weeks after this year-old private tape of leaked comments were reported by the New York Times, where fellow NBA host and reporter Rachel Nichols alleged that ESPN gave Taylor this finals hosting job to make up for what this other woman, Nichols, described as the network's, quote, crappy longtime record on diversity. We reported about this and this was everywhere. Uh, But it seems like, um, you know, that made it pretty uncomfortable to work there after all that happened. You say it like you're shocked by that. No, I I mean, I'm not. She probably had uh, a a good job and I'm happy she got the job. But then it didn't even matter after that because that was just like a bad environment to me. Right. Proves that even if you get the gig, it doesn't matter if it's a bad environment. Well, no, it it proves that if you get the gig, people are going to just think you got the gig because you're Mm. black. (laughs) And so why would she stay somewhere, especially when she knows at the end of the day, no matter how much her coworker apologizes, that's still there. Totally. That's still now attached to you. So go somewhere where they will treat you and respect you in the way that you should be. Yeah, and they couldn't reach this new contract agreement, so... It was time to leave. And they're departing amicably. And she's moving on to NBC, where she's going to be the host of Football Night in America. And also Sunday Night Football. Doing a lot of stuff. I mean, she's a rock star. And the Olympics. So congratulations to her on moving on from that. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right. Chrissy Teigen. Hey, girl. She's decided to stay out of everyone's lives. Aren't we happy? time for the tea report those pop culture stories trending right now mm. so she caught up with tmz paparazzi or tmz paparazzi stalked her either one you want to look at it um and she basically told them that she's avoiding uh, all trouble by minding her own business here's what she had to say about that and cancel culture altogether to beat trump I have decided I'm not getting involved in anyone's <laughs> ever again. Okay, so we got we got we got unproblematic Chrissy Teigen now. Okay, well that's cool. That's cool. I want to ask you about Cancel Club. How long do you think you're going to be in it? I don't know. Could be forever. <laughs> Could be forever. I have no idea. When do you think you should get out of Cancel Club? Um, I don't know. All I can do is live my life and take care of my kids and family. Everyone else can make their choice. So last week, if you if you don't know what that means at Cancel Club, she yeah, addressed... Yeah, I was wondering what that is. I thought maybe she was messing up this interviewer person, the paparazzi. No, she had, Chrissy addressed uh, her membership in the Cancel Club after returning to social media, having pretended nothing happened in the online world, uh, is a quote from her a statement. She says, I feel like utter blank in real life. Going outside sucks and doesn't feel right. Being at home alone with my mind makes my depressed head race. 
Um, she also wrote, but I do know that, however, I'm handling this now isn't the right answer. I feel lost and need to find my place again. Hmm. I need to snap out of this. My thing is, this is what happens when Chrissy Teigen's whole entire identity became social media. And it's unfortunate that she wasn't able to separate the two. Maybe she kind of got addicted to social media. And maybe she'll talk about that a little bit more once she's in that place to talk about it. But it's really telling uh, how she's kind of having these withdrawals of some sorts. Um, and she has to kind of atone for her past behavior. That's just what it is. I don't know if it's as much even it's social media, but relevancy. I think it's so one is attached to the other when you're not doing other work in a way. I mean, but she is doing other work. She, I mean, she's has a whole household brand. And my thing is, I do think it's strictly, to be honest, in this case, I think that would be valid to bring up when it comes to anyone else in the sense of relevancy. But I think it's really social media that she got addicted to with how she navigated, how she was once kind of just an everyday user and how she didn't realize that was going to, you know, get a bite her in the butt once she kind of grew as a celebrity and John Legend's wife and the brand and the cooking and all that stuff that she's doing. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think she's trying to figure out what her identity is outside of social media. That's your T-Report. We got more coming up. If you want, um, we actually, we're talking Demi Lovato coming up next, mm. which is going to be interesting. Okay. Playing a little clip of uh, their new podcast, Ooh. 40 with Demi. Stick okay. around for that. Well, coming up, how vaccine hesitancy has transformed into hostility and what we can all do about it. That's next. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Republicans are campaigning hard, not just against the COVID vaccine, but it seems like all vaccines. Dan Diamond is with us. He's a national health reporter for The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me back. So how messy is this getting and actually dangerous? It has gotten messy in the past number of weeks with the coronavirus vaccine push being attacked by Republicans in ways that that spread even beyond coronavirus. Mm -hmm. We wrote a story at The Washington Post a few days ago about how at the Conservative Political Action Conference, this conservative group that gets together every year, Republicans, particularly freshman congressmen or, or people who are kind of in Trump's shadow, were going after President Biden's push and framing in ways that were really dishonest, saying that the effort to get door-to-door vaccination information was actually much more sinister than it is in reality. So that that's, I think, what's been concerning. And we've seen it ripple into other things that are adjacent to the coronavirus push, like in Tennessee, which has become more of a, a hotbed of fights over public health. 
Hmm. Yeah, and it's, I'm from Tennessee, so it's like kind of embarrassing and disappointing to see all of this happening, but not shocking. It is interesting, though. We're starting to see like conservative news outlets, kind of like Fox News. They're being called out for their mixed messaging because on on the on the station, you're starting to see people actually tell, you know, talk about, hey, go get vaccinated. Or, I've been vaccinated or things like that, which is kind of out of the norm for Fox News. How is that kind of playing into this conversation when we're talking about, you know, just awareness? You know, I thought that was really interesting that Fox News in the past number of days has pivoted. We have been watching coronavirus coverage on conservative media, on uh, conservative podcasts. I don't know if you guys uh, listen to Megan Kelly, the conservative podcast. Oh, yeah, she's my fave. We talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I figured, I, I figured this would be a, a happy home for Megan Kelly. But <laughs> having listened to her podcast over the past number of months, a few months ago, she came out very aggressively and said, look, I got vaccinated. My husband got vaccinated. This is why you, my listeners, should get vaccinated. And I thought to myself, maybe there's a story here. Mm-hmm. Megan Kelly encouraging her listeners to get the coronavirus shot. But in recent weeks, she's instead amplified some unproven doubts about the vaccine. So we had seen that pattern in recent days. And only in this past week or so has there been this more dramatic pivot on Fox News and elsewhere. And I think part of the reason is that the White House has brought pressure to who is spreading accurate information or more aptly in this case, disinformation. And Fox News and others seem to be responding to that scrutiny by trying to make their messaging, at least in some cases, more accurate around the vaccines. Because they think that this will create a narrative against the administration. They're like, oh, we see where they're their buttons are right we see where the gaps are and we're going to exploit that like what's the strategy here some of the messaging around the biden administration's response i do think it's been politically motivated we didn't see this back in january or either in march or april there there was less of an attachment between the white house and the vaccination push but because the biden administration has made this so central to all their objectives i think congressmen like matt gates or Marjorie Taylor Greene, Madison Cawthorn, others, they have seen political opportunity Mm, in trying to run down what Biden is doing. Yeah, and my thing is, even if Republicans are talking about the vaccine, they've labeled it the Trump vaccine. So do you think the Biden administration should be kind of reaching out and seeing if there's any collaboration? I know it sounds crazy, but it it feels like, well, is this the last resort at this point to get Trump supporters or these conservative red states to actually get vaccinated to help this country move forward? What's the last straw here? You know, it's a good question. I think we're all in this public health fight together. So even if Republicans are at times messaging against the White House, even if many Republicans don't want to get the vaccine, the White House is still intending with all of its powers and advocates to reach out and figure out how to message the need to get shots. In some cases, they've gone to, say, evangelical groups, hoping that those groups can be ambassadors for the vaccine. I do think in in the coming weeks, there will be even more focus on trying to reach those holdouts as we head into the fall. Kids will be going back to school. Businesses are reopening. So we need to get the current virus surge under control. And that requires reaching out to a lot of Republican holdouts that the White House so far has not been able to convince. Does this mean I feel like this is a crazy plan. Evil plan would be, let's go up against it and then get Trump in to act like he's the hero. 
Ew. <laughs> no, it like that is something no, I would, could see would... Republicans doing. No, Republicans oh, are like, okay. this will make Biden yeah. want to reach out to Trump to reach those people who aren't getting the vaccine. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I, I heard an interesting idea some months ago that seemed silly at the time, but every month that goes by, maybe a little less crazy, <laughs> that we have a couple of vaccines that really work. We have the Pfizer vaccine that works. We have the Moderna vaccine. So perhaps if, if people had just branded one as the conservative vaccine and the other as the liberal vaccine and tried to root their supporters on, who knows if that would have worked? I mean, there are, at this point, given that three out of 10 Americans has been pretty consistently against the vaccine, I do think it's worth considering radical ideas to try and win over holdouts. Um, in terms of winning over President, former President Trump and his supporters, I did see an interesting story in Politico by my former colleagues there that the White House has been back-channeling with Fox News and conservatives. So again, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more action on trying to find ways to reach those holdouts. It's the collaboration we didn't think we needed. (laughs) That, uh, That was Dan Diamond, national health reporter for The Washington Post. Thank you again for being here. Thanks for having me. Coming up, why everyone is freaking out over the beds at the Olympics. That is next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The latest drama to come out of the Olympics. Athletes are posting about their bed situations in Tokyo, saying their beds are made of cardboard. Here to share more is sports reporter at the Washington Post, Cindy Boren. Thanks for being here. Oh, great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. I mean, uh, is this a first at the Olympics? Are the beds usually this bad? Yes. <laughs> Short answer. Um, think back to the Sochi Winter Olympics. Um, there were some issues with the beds in Russia. Um, there were there were drips and the plumbing was leaking. There was uh, electrical current running through the water in some instances. Uh, so, you know, maybe a cardboard bed isn't the worst thing. Um, I, the, the idea is is not so much to prevent people from um, enjoying one another, shall we say, at the Olympics. It, the idea is to make the, the game sustainable. That was the, the plan for the Japanese people, the organizers. They wanted to, to you know, recycle things, and that was one of the goals with, with the cardboard beds. Uh, the, the medals, for instance, are made out of um, used cell phone parts that would have been discarded. Uh, so, you okay. know, that was their that was their plan. It wasn't really any, any any kind of moralizing there that they were doing. Sounds very luxurious. Um, you know, for me, <laughs> <laughs> for me, when I'm thinking about the Olympics, like I kind of don't care, but I do care, and I know how big of a deal it is. One, has it even started yet? And then two, um, what? Why are we? Why is the Olympics even happening with all the COVID cases like rising every five seconds? Well, let's go with the first question first. Um, yes and no. They the games have started. Um, there has been competition. The women's, uh, the U.S. women's uh, soccer team, for instance, lost today to Sweden. Um, there were some events today, soccer games. Hmm. Uh, typically, that's how it works. And then the the opening ceremonies are Friday. Uh, Friday morning on the East Coast, uh, 7 a.m. on the East Coast. So that's when they will really officially get underway, and you'll see the whole day long, you know, it, 16 hours of, of sports yeah. uh, going on. This is kind of uh, a prelude to it, but there, there are a few things going on uh, today yeah. and tomorrow. 
And then the other thing, should this be going on? Yes, um, please. But, well, yeah, so we want to uh, con- t- continue to talk about that, should this be going on, because there's been so much happening at the Olympics, obviously with COVID happening, and so many athletes dropping out. What's the latest? Um, there have been a few more positive tests. There will be positive tests every day. And there will be some athletes who won't be able to compete. There might be a team uh, that, that doesn't have enough athletes to, to uh, take the, the field and has to forfeit a game. And the International Olympic Committee, which owns the games and is determined that they go on because they want the money that the games bring in, uh, and that's the bottom line here, um, they're, they're determined that they go on. The, the Tokyo uh, organizing chief had said, oh, the, the games can all, still be canceled at any time. Well, they really can't because the IOC owns them. Uh, the people in Japan, I think there's something like a 22% of the population is vaccinated. It's terrible. And you've got people coming in, 93,000 people coming in from all around the globe uh, to put on these games. <laughs> you know, they're okay. They're, they're, they've been very, very good about checking everyone. Right. Um, They've got a great system put together, but this is an incredibly uh, contagious uh, variant of the virus. Well, yeah, and I want to know, is there anyone that could be held accountable? Because all of these, you know, uh, athletes are getting COVID, and maybe we can discuss this further, and you can kind of wrap us up with all the Olympics knowledge that we need to know. So don't go anywhere. We're going to keep this conversation going. More Let's Go There. (laughs) Next. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We've been talking about all things Olympics as it's actually happening right now as we speak. But I feel like we've been hearing more about the drama than the actual Well, that's games. the most interesting part of this. Of well, because opening ceremony, we found out, isn't until Friday. And I think for me, I'm just shocked that capitalism is allowing this to go on as the COVID cases are still rising and just so much going on. It's who's hope. Yeah. Well, back with us is sports reporter for the Washington Post, Cindy Boren. Have you ever seen anything like this in all your years of covering the Olympics? Uh, Because it just seems like there were so many changes last minute, obviously because of COVID, but also uh, for the Paralympics, there was someone, an athlete that couldn't go because her assistant couldn't join her to help her. Right. Um, they're not letting people bring in their assistants. Uh, for instance, uh, Novak Djokovic made a big deal out of it um, after um, Wimbledon saying, you know, he couldn't even bring him along the guy that strings his rackets, which is a big deal for him. Um, I've, I, I haven't really seen anything to this extent. Typically, there's there's always a last minute flurry of negative headlines before Olympics. You remember Rio had the Zika virus. They had um species in the water that, you know, that, that people were rowing in. And um, so there's always little things like this, but it, this is just beyond the pale, of course, with the Olympics being postponed for a year. Yeah. So I asked before our, uh, when we took a break, mm-hmm. I asked who's kind of held accountable for this? Because I'm, I'm wondering, do athletes just go into these cases and they're just like they sign a waiver and it's like whatever happens, happens, <laughs> especially when you're kind of doing this in the middle of a pandemic? Who's held accountable? That would be the uh, the athletes themselves. They've signed a, a waiver of liability. Uh, the IOC has many, many lawyers, and many, many lawyers are very good at keeping people from coming after their money. 
And I'm sorry to put it in such stark terms, but uh, that's what it is. They are not liable, and the athletes are there. You know, they're there competing on a pure level and a pure level of love of sport. But, you know, capitalism is, is the driving force here. Definitely. Do you think any of the rules or just ways of handling all this will change for the next Olympics? Well, the next Olympics is just around the corner in February. <laughs> yeah. And does, does anybody really think the virus is going to be gone? They're in Beijing. Yeah. Um, and that raises the whole question of how much we're going to know about um, infections and statistics and all of that. But uh, how much the Chinese government will let people know the last time the Olympics were in Beijing, they clamped down pretty pretty well on information. But um, uh, I think... Don't really think so. Uh, I think I don't know that anybody can look that far ahead. To be right. to be honest, real, with you. Qu- real quick though, five seconds left as we wrap this up. Is it still possible that the Olympics can be canceled last minute, like up until like tomorrow? No, no. no there is. I you just never know. There's already people there. They're already there. That doesn't mean anything. If this, like, if we see this kind of skyrocket of the cases, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, it could still be canceled at some point. Who knows? The IOC, the IOC will not. It it would take a, a massive catastrophe. I don't. Let's not yeah. even go there. But yeah. the IOC will not cancel the games. Well, that was Washington Post sports reporter Cindy Bourne. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. This one goes to 75-year-old Dolly Parton, who showed off everything wearing a Playboy bunny costume, all to celebrate the birthday of her husband, Carl. Hey. Today is July 20. It's my husband Carl's birthday. And you're probably wondering why I'm dressed like this. Well, it's for my husband's birthday. Remember sometime back I said I was going to pose on the Playboy magazine when I was 75? Well, I'm 75 and they don't have a magazine anymore. But my husband always loved the original cover of Playboy. So I was trying to think of something to do to make him happy. He still thinks I'm a hot chick after 57 years. And I'm not going to try to talk him out of that. And I hope he agrees. What do you think? <laughs> How cute does she look? I mean, she looks cute. She's a sweetheart. I, she continues to kill it at every part of her life, including obviously being a great doting wife, recreating the Playboy cover that she did in 1978. So what, what are you going to do when you're 78 with, um, with your partner? A nude photo shoot, obviously. Is uh, great. Is he going to want to see that? I think he. Well, hopefully. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, you know things change. Dolly I think if I have the right partner, they will good. appreciate me at every age. That's not necessarily true. Thanks. Well, that's the hope going I have to into say, it. That is the hope. Everyone hopes that. <laughs> you know. And if not, I guess I will move on to other pastures. Get divorced at an old age. Hey. And then we said we'd grow old together, so at least I'll have someone. Wow, not I'm your backup plan. (laughs) I have my own life. No, but seriously, Dolly looks amazing. I love that she continues to show her sexiness at any age because guess what? We need to be normalizing that. Yes. It's important. And um, I also hope that her back doesn't hurt because her breasts are really huge. She has a They're like up to her chin. A good chest. Yeah, I mean, I was fascinated by that. I don't even care. Like, I mean, I I just know that your back could hurt from that. 
well, she figures it out somehow. So congrats and a Yaz Queen to Dolly Parton and husband Carl, who we don't know about at all. And that does it for our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And of course, our show today as well. We are here for you live weekdays on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about what to do if your partner doesn't defend you. Wow, that could be very hard. And the Biden-CNN presidential town hall is happening. We're bringing you the recap of it on tomorrow's show. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There and Subscribe. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris where he's covering non-binary pride. That's next. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.